Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Editor's Desk here on Business Radio. It's with me, Felicity Duncan, and with our fearless leader, Alec Hug. Alec, this week was a big week about the economy. It was all about the economy. We had those really shocking GDP numbers out on, I believe it was Tuesday, uh, a contraction of 3.2% in the first quarter. Now, that's the worst performance we've seen from the economy in about 10 years. So since really the depths of the Great Recession of 2009. So really a very sobering number. And to me, when I looked at the detail, we saw really serious like a double digit declines in agriculture mostly due to the weather and to to the dryness of the climate and that's you know not something anyone can do anything about but we need to think about resilience in that sector and then most worrying of all almost double digit uh, declines a little less than that in manufacturing and in mining and that uh, can really be laid squarely at the feet of ESCOM and the uncertainty uh, that we've been struggling with for the last year or so. So to me, it was a real strong diagnosis of the problems. And now we need to see the solutions. Mm. Yeah, I like the way you've put it there, because it, it's almost like that final bit of shock therapy to those who make the decisions that are going to change the economic trajectory to say, what is happening at the moment is really going in the wrong way. One thing about this is that everybody is mindful. And again, uh, earlier in the week, I was at uh, the Junior Mining Conference in Johannesburg, where Gwedi Mantash was uh, was in splendid form. Now, remember, Gwedi Mantash is Cyril Ramaphosa's closest ally politically. So, whatever Mantash says, they were they were both. He was, in fact, Ramaphosa's protege at the National Union of Mine Workers. Um, back there, they they were both secretary generals there, and going through their history together, they've been very close allies back to the time or, or continued to the time when Ramaphosa became deputy president of the country and uh, Gwedi Mantash at the same time was the secretary general and so on. So this is, it's not Ramaphosa speaking, but it's as near as damn it as you're going to get to that. And the whole philosophy that he was expressing there, the whole, and this was of course the very first member of the cabinet who had a public address subsequent to their appointment, in fact, and also subsequent to a three-day Lakhotla, which which ended last week. And the whole focus there was exactly the, the, the points you're making. Eskom, first and foremost, if you don't get Eskom right, if you don't keep the electricity uh, or the lights on, you don't have an economy. So that was the story that Mantash was giving to, as you can imagine, a very receptive audience of miners. That's number one priority in government's mind right now. Keep Eskom going, find a, a solution to Eskom. But first and foremost, you can't have an economy if there's no electricity. So that's the first thing. The second thing is policy certainty. They've done, for instance, with the mining charter, they've removed one of the big drawbacks to what's going to happen in mining in the future, which is exploration. You, you can't have a mining sector if you haven't got people going out there looking for new minerals while you scooping away those that you have discovered mining being a wasting resource. You've got to keep replenishing it. And we've had no exploration in South Africa for years now because of policy uncertainty and no promotion of exploration companies. Because usually what happens with exploration is that you get juniors, small companies who go out there and go and look for the the, the, the prospects. Uh, then they find, because often these prospects come in unusual ways, uh, which is not conducive to the process that big companies go through. So the prospectors go out there, they'll find the 
the opportunities, and then they sell them on to bigger companies who've got the scale to actually bring them to account. What's happened there, very big change, uh, which Montash spoke about, was that exploration companies no longer have to have any BEE, which was a problem because if you had to go looking for minerals and you've got to give away a big chunk of your equity, if you do find in an already high-risk area uh, something, it, it of course, um, reduces the incentive still more. So that was another thing. But a big thing was the policy certainty. So all of those issues, once you get those issues right, or once you, you have a government which cares about them and is, in fact, promoting that, then you're moving in the right direction in the first place. So I know it's hard to to look back at a contraction of 3% in, in annualized terms in your economy and say, well, things are being put in place to to sort this out, and, and actually the future can be a lot brighter. Uh, a lot of people don't buy that uh, because they've been traumatized, I guess, through the, the last 10 years and, and specifically the last five bad years of, of Zuma. Um, and they're kind of not buying that. But actually, uh, something I've been thinking about, Felicity, is, is investment markets generally, right from the Dow theory. And I wrote about this in, in a couple of books I've written about about share market investing. The Dow theory uh, replays itself continuously, these cycles. You know, the Indian people talk about the cycles of life. And in investment markets, it's cycles. You start off where where the, where the market's at its bottom and everybody is depressed and everybody is selling. You can't find a buyer at that stage. And as you go through the various cycles, you finally get to the one where everybody's excited and you can't find a seller. Everybody's buying. Now, humanity works on the basis of cycles and of course the, those who benefit as Warren Buffett keeps telling us is those who can actually withdraw emotion from their logical decisions right now if you look at South Africa the emotion is so negative you know we're looking for a house and I'm talking to estate agents who are the last people to go negative and the estate agents keep telling me how everything's wrong in the country so you, you wonder how they're going to sell any houses with that kind of attitude. But it just reinforces this thing. At the bottom of a bear market, everybody's selling. And you can't find a more compelling argument for reassessing, for relooking, for asking yourself, are we at least going to go in the right direction? And that's why I'm so bullish. I'm, I'm, I know it's against the trend, but sometimes uh, that has been the most reliable indicator. Now, a big or a key part of what South Africa needs to do to turn around is to deal with these state-owned enterprises that are just relentlessly underperforming. And now, right now, I'm thinking, obviously, specifically about um, SAA. Now, this week, you know, we saw the company talking about debt. I mean, the debt burden on there is enormous. They need 4 billion rand to just keep running. They've got a 3.5 billion rand loan coming due. They've got another 9 point something billion due at the end of the year. Just an enormous cash burn. It's, you know, it's making Tesla look like a real well-run cash machine. Uh what needs to be done there? I know you spoke this week with Russell Loebscher about how do we turn this around at this state-owned enterprise and what lessons are there at SAA that we can bring to bear on places like ESCOM? Well, there's, there's nothing wrong with the fact that you can run an airline profitably in South Africa. Comair has been doing that for decades. I think they might have had one year where they lost money, but most of the period they have made money and they've run efficiently. So uh, 
th- that's the first point. The second point is Russell Lopesher, who led the walkout from the board in 2012, seven years ago, when it was it was apparent that Malusi Gagaba, who now has fortunately been been taken off the scene, that he was just a uh, you know a plant for uh, the Zuma way of where can we plunder next approach. When it became apparent to Russell after spending years, a couple of years on that board, that they were going to get nowhere, he resigned. He said this was a waste of time, and he's been proven to be absolutely correct. The He put down various criteria in the interview that we had this week on our rational radio, and he said that, they, first of all, first and foremost, it has to be properly capitalized. If you've got a properly capitalized business, you've actually got a chance, and then run along lines that will you can run it like a business. And he said to do that, you have to get the unions on side. So in the real, uh, in the reality of a South Africa, unless you get the unions to participate and to understand and in fact negotiate packages, if you like, for those who, who must leave to make it an efficient business, then you don't even have a starting point. When I look at this and I think of Ramaphosa's background in the union movement, if anybody is going to be able to negotiate that correctly with the uh, South African Airways unions, it would be him. Secondly, uh, Tito Mboweni, who's his, um, in many ways, a, 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 a bit of a, a, a weather vane uh, when it comes to floating ideas into the broader public, uh, Mboweni would be a very strict paymaster. And if he were to capitalize or recapitalize the business or to agree to recapitalize the business through Treasury, there would have to be a very good business plan in, in place. And I asked Russell at the end of it. Now, remember, this is a guy who, who turned around the Johannesburg Stock Exchange when it was in trouble. He's got a, a fabulous record in business. And I said to him, if you were asked to go back to the South African Airways board, uh, would you? And he said, no, he kind of hummed and hard. He wasn't really keen. And I said, come on, Russell, national service. He says, as national service, yes, but we'd have to, it would, you would have to put those various building blocks in place, which could make a successful airline. However, if those building blocks were in place, I would never ever return. And I think that's the, 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 the approach that Ramaphosa, Mboweni and others will be able to buy into. It's this Tumamina kind of attitude where people, who can help to fix things in South Africa are prepared to do so, but they aren't going to be prepared to do that if you just apply the old principles. You've got to do something radical, um, and a radical change in South African airways would be what Russell's articulated. It's rescuable, um, and it's a far better approach in everybody's mind and certainly politically palatable than just cutting off or throwing away, um, throwing bad money after good or 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 finally selling out and saying, well, all those billions the taxpayers have put in were actually just wasted. There's a bit, there is a way out of this. It's just got to be, uh, as you do with most turnaround situations, have a plan, uh, put the money in that you need to get it turned around. And we have many, many instances in the private sector where this has, been, has worked to advantage. And then get the right people in there. And hey, presto, you can have a successful uh, state-owned enterprise. Now, you mentioned they're talking about um, some radical shifts and you need to be prepared to take risks. And that, of course, uh, brings to mind the discussion that you had this week with uh, Rulof Boita, or the discussion we saw coming from Rulof Boita, rather, um, talking about interest rates in South Africa, which have been high for a long time. And the question is, is it time to cut? Yeah, that was a fascinating discussion. You know, we often 
sit with uh, a belief that the Reserve Bank knows all and the Monetary Policy Committee is correct if they are highly conservative, etc. But it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, classical economic theory is, uh, is, is still appropriate in a modern era. We know that in Europe and in the United States, they've had quantitative easing, um, and that has perhaps uh, played a, a major role. Well, not perhaps, it's definitely played a major role in averting the disaster that was looming in 2007, 2008. What Rulof Boot is using, though, is the principles that have been tried and, trist- and tested. It's uh, the so-called Taylor rule, where you bring in various uh, variables into a, an econometric model And then from that model, it will give you an understanding of where your interest rate levels should be rather than having a bunch of guys sitting around saying, oh, well, we think interest rates should be at this level. So in other words, it's bringing science to the art of managing an economy. And that's really what he was arguing for. So his argument is that if you apply Taylor rule or if you apply econometric principles and indeed what's happening around the rest of the world, you can see that South African interest rates are – between 200 basis points and 250 basis points too high. Uh, that's 2.5% cut in interest rates, which is required. And he's, his, he's arguing for a South African policy where you put together the right econo- bra- brains in, eco- uh, in the econometric science and you get them to put in the variables and let the process come out with the, the proof of the kind of area where it should be. He uses the example of when Joel Marcus was at the South African Reserve Bank and how brilliantly, in his opinion, interest rates were managed during that period. But that once she departed, a different philosophy seemed to take place where it is one that is now based more on gut feel than on science. And he's really calling for a return to science. And what is interesting about this? Well, two things. Rulof Boot is one of the top economists in South Africa. And just to give you an indication of where the guy's brain sits, his son, also named Rulof Boerter, is the top venture capitalist in Silicon Valley. Now, that's, that's a statement you don't make lightly, but he's the managing partner of Sequoia. And Sequoia is the company that got, gave Google, Facebook, and many of the other big names in the world uh, the push. Clearly, Rulof Boerter Jr. got his brains from somewhere. So don't write Rulof Boerter Sr., the economist, off. That's the first point. The second point is that we do have the potential for unleashing as Rulof Boerter Sr. says, if we had the correct interest rates in South Africa, it would unleash 70 billion rand into the economy, which is currently through interest, interest payments. And that is a massive stimulatory effect and perhaps the kickstart that this economy needs. Well, that's all we have time for. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to read a transcript of this interview, one is available on biznews.com in the premium section. Don't forget, you can sign up for premium for just £5 a month, and that is going to give you access to our great premium content and to the digital archives and full digital access to The Wall Street Journal.